Welcome to the Farm Beats podcast. Farm Bits is proudly produced by the Nebraska Digital Agriculture Team and is hosted by students at the University of Nebraska. The Farm Beats broadcast comes to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews with experts, producers, and innovators from across agricultural industry, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Hello, FarmBits followers, and welcome to another episode of the FarmBits podcast. I'm Emily Hansen. And I'm Camila Rodriguez, and we are glad to have you with us as we continue our discussion on specialty crop production. This week, we're joined by Aaron Nigren, the Crops and Water Extension Educator for Saunders County. Aaron has been growing pumpkins on his family farm for the past 20 years in addition to row crop production. With that, let's jump into this episode with Aaron. So I'm Aaron Nigren. Um, grew up between uh, Ashland and Ceresco. Uh, went to school near Mead, and I'm currently now the Saunders County uh, Crops Water and Crops Educator for Nebraska Extension. Uh, so I haven't moved too far around in my lifetime. Kind of been in about a 20 mile radius, basically, of, of where where I'm at now. Um, grew up on a small family farm. Um, 80 acres, kind of a diversified. Originally, we had alfalfa, corn and soybeans, and now it's switched to just corn and soybeans and some pumpkins instead. So, And when did you start growing pumpkins? So I started, I had to think back, I think it was around 2003 um, that truly started growing them to, to sell. I'd always had a, a garden growing up um, and like, like I say, I like to walk through the crops, the fields. Um, but yeah, I think that's around when we started really putting a little bit more acres in. So. And what got you interested in growing pumpkins? It's, it's, that's why I, I, I saw that and I was like, you know, that's 20 years ago. I'm trying to remember what exactly <laughs> made us. Um, part of that, I think, was, uh, I think the, uh, Girlfriend at the time, future future wife had an interest in them, so maybe that's why I started growing them too. Um, also, just had um, back then used to go to flea markets and things, so it was something to be able to sell in the fall. Um, something to use some of our our smaller fields. We have some different shaped fields on the farm, so um, if you got a three acre field, maybe it's better to grow something like pumpkins versus corn and soybeans on it. So. Where is your farm based out of and what kinds of markets do you have for your pumpkins? So we are in um southeast part of Saunders County. Um so it's a all dry land uh, farm ground. Um so we mainly mainly operate out of the Wahoo area is where we, we sell a lot of them. Um market-wise, uh, we sell a lot through um my wife's business. Um, we also do some wholesale to Florida shops. Um, occasionally we might do something like a, a farmer's market or a flea market, but uh, life gets busy. So it's been harder to have time to do those kind of things. So it's been more just to sell them to someone a big chunk at a time. Um, we don't do anything on the farm. We've always been worried about, you know, liability, you know, people coming out and picking their own things like that. So 
I always tell people every pumpkin that that I sell, I probably pick it up at least two or three times because <laughs> you pick it up when you cut it and then you pick it to put it in the truck and then you haul it. And so a lot of lifting going on. Yeah. Um, are there any different types of pumpkins that you grow? So I grow uh, very few, just a few orange. Um, so it's typically all the all the uh, different kinds. So there's there's blue pumpkins, there's pink pumpkins, there's warty pumpkins, there's tan, there's white, there's all variety of things. So typically anywhere from 80 to 90 varieties we plant every year, um, anywhere from small little, you know, pound or less um, up to something that maybe would be 60 pounds or so. Um, Within that, there's a variety of shapes. So, you know, you can get some that are nice stackers. You can put a couple on top of each other. Um, sometimes what I like is different than what my wife likes and actually wants to sell. So there's always things that I I just grow because I, I like them and maybe we don't actually end up selling them. So. Do you have a favorite variety of pumpkin? Oh, yeah, there's a little... Um, it's a Japanese variety, so it's actually black and it gets almost kind of a white film on it. So um, I Yokohama, there's there's a variety of names and some of them you just say it how you think it's supposed to be said, right? And, with, and you have no idea if you're sounding it right. So. Have you ever participated in any biggest pumpkin contest? I have not done any of those. I, I always tell people if I can't pick it up by my by myself I don't really want to grow it <laughs> if I have to get a skid steer or a loader I'm just not interested in it so um we do have a co-worker though in the system that has has done very well um Tamara Jackson Zims grows some some big ones so what are some of the ideal conditions for growing pumpkins and how do those conditions differ from maybe uh conventional row crops I mean they typically they like a lot of the same conditions um Probably the one thing, you know, we have a, a silt loam to a silty clay loam. Um, they might do a little better actually in a sandier, you know, soil like a lot of the melons do be even better on those, right? Um, probably the biggest thing is, you know, with corn and soybeans, we're always right, we're in that rush to get them, get them in the ground as soon as possible. Whereas pumpkins, typically we, we wait a little bit, we make sure it's warm enough. Um, so, you know, 60, 70 degree soil temps, make sure there's no chance of frost. And the other big thing is if you plant them too early, they'll be mature early, too early, potentially too. So you don't really want your pumpkins ready in early August and they're going to sit around and, and start to rot before you have a market for them. So I think it's just kind of that, you know, of we don't always have to get in that rush to get those planted. So, What kind of equipment do you currently use? So... Um, with my production system, I, I use a, a rye cover crop. Uh, so we either broadcast that or drill that in the fall. Um, and then in the spring, we let that grow until it's headed out and then go through with some buffalo stock chopper units um, and roll that down. Um, you could use a roller crimper too. I just had those units is what I could find and, and make um, into a unit I could use. Um, planning wise then, um, sometimes we will mount one or two row units on a small toolbar and just plant those with the tractor. Um, otherwise, sometimes it's just hand labor. Um, it's only about an acre. So sometimes it's just as easy to go through and, and plant by hand. Um, where I typically especially do that 
there's some of these varieties that I plant um, to get a hundred seeds is about 40 bucks. So when you're talking 40 cents a seed, you want to make sure it's in the ground and making sure it's going to grow well. So um, then sprayer wise have some small sprayers, um, you know, 20 foot boom, just to try to get through and, and get the weeds controlled and keep the bugs underneath under control as well. So I'm very much small scale, you know, there's, there's others that use much bigger stuff um, for pumpkin production, but that's just what, what works in our operations. So can you tell us a little bit about the harvest process that you use? So harvest process, um, you kind of get an idea of, of walking through when they're going to be ready. Um, the other trick I always say is use your fingernail. And if, if it doesn't poke through the skin anymore, it's hardened off enough that you can now start harvesting it. Um, so with that, it's a little bit of a mix of sometimes you go through and you just harvest anything that's ready. Other times, maybe we're just looking for certain colors. So you kind of wander through, pick a few of colors and then get a mix. Um, but it's a lot of, I use, I use hand loppers. So like you trim branches on a tree. Um, so with that, I like it because I can stay above the leaves. I like growing pumpkins, but I actually react pretty well. I get a rash from them, from the the uh, spines that are on the stems. So that keeps my <laughs> keeps me above those a little bit. Um, so wearing gloves, long sleeves helps too. My wife, she likes to use a knife or a clipper sometimes. Um, so everybody has a different school of thought, but it's a lot of bending over, going through, piling, throwing that on either the gator or the truck. So. Um, it's all hand labor. That's the key thing there. Since we are a digital egg-based podcast, do you think there is room to add digital tools such as sensors, aerial imagery, or robotics to pumpkin production? I think there definitely is. Um, you know, when I think about like pest-wise, um, one of the big things always with pumpkins is disease. So when we get towards the end of the season, we start getting some more humid um, nights, cooler nights. We typically get a lot of powdery mildew popping up. So I think, you know, if we had sensors that would detect those conditions and give us a better idea, or maybe it's something that's actually seeing the lesions, you know, on the, the, the plant, um, things that help us, you know, better time those pesticide applications. Same thing with bugs, love them. So cucumber beetles, um, corn rootworm like pumpkins. So, you know, anything that help us with those detections as well. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely opportunities. I, th I think robots too, right? If we can get something that would go out and help with the picking process, potentially that would be, be great as well. Right. So, um, do you think it would be very difficult to implement these types of tools? Um, do you think there'd be like some pushback for producers who didn't really want to move away from what they're currently doing? I think the probably the biggest thing is just, you know, if you typically look at scale in Nebraska where we're growing, it, it's more just that challenge of would it have that, what's the economics, right? You know, if I'm growing an acre, there's some that maybe grow a couple hundred acres in Nebraska. Is that enough, right, to justify the investment on a lot of those versus if you go to Illinois where they grow thousands of acres, I'm sure they're probably already using some of those things, right? So, um I don't know there'd be, be pushback. It's just more, can you make it pencil out, right? So that's always the challenge. Um, you know, when you talk to the ones that grow, though, you know, fair amount, you know, they, 
you increasingly realize you either spend the money to get the right tools or you spend the money just because of lost production or whatever. So if it makes financial sense, they'll, they'll move to those, I think. What is the production cost like for pumpkins? And do you think the use of digital egg tools would increase or decrease that cost? It's definitely, um, you can easily get, you know, thousand dollars or more an acre in a field of pumpkins. Um, and it can, some years I'm probably much higher than that. Even just, I usually buy enough seed that maybe lasts me three or four years. So some years I buy a lot of seed and it, it increased my cost more. Right. So, um, so your main cost that I think that the, the sensors would help with potentially would be some of the these programs that we spray. So oftentimes we'll just use a seven to 10 day schedule where you just spray, not knowing if there's anything out there for sure, but just to make sure we, we have that application out there. So if we could fi fine tune that better, only apply when we really need to, it, it would definitely help, you know, pay back some of those things and would also help, um, you know, they always concern whenever you're throwing insecticide out there for the bugs. Pumpkins are a, a pollinated crop by insects, so you always want to be careful with the bees. Um, so we have to time that. So any anything we could do to reduce the chance of, of spraying and killing bees, that would be good as well. Yeah, I know uh, there have been a lot of different studies going on in the area with bees right now. Um, you mentioned that you are the... Uh, crops and water extension educator in Saunders County. Have you seen many digital ag tools used across the counties that you cover in uh, specialty crop production? So I, you know, I've seen quite a bit in, in row crops, right? Um, between drones, aerial imagery, things like that. Personally, I've not seen much use in the specialty crops. Um, I think a lot of that's just the scale, right? You know, we have some, some Decent size growers, but um, a lot more probably traditional production on the specialty side than than going into the down the digital. I think that the potential there is most of the ones that have significant acres of specialty crops, they also oftentimes have row crops as well. So I think that might help them justify some of those costs down the road too. But uh, I just personally haven't seen it yet. So. Of the dig digital egg tools used in row crops, which do you think would be easily implemented in specialty crops production? I think, you know, drones um, definitely have a fit. Um, especially, you know, if you want to branch out a little bit more with the drones, if we could get into something like drone spraying with those, right? Um, you know, I've often, instead of me trying to spray an acre and I think the drones would have a perfect fit in, in things like pumpkins where you get that downdraft and you get that better um, coverage. Um, but I think sensors as well, you know, like I said, with trying to detect, you know, if it would tell us that we got a leaf humidity that's at the right level for powdery mildew or something like that, right? There's things that would definitely help us better time things. Yeah. Um, so with like the drones, I know there are some spray drones that are available, but they're super high cost, but they do spray like low acres. Do you think in the future there could be some programs through like different local co-ops that could kind of help, uh, especially crop producers, maybe like team up to get a spray drone for specialty crops? Yeah, I think that, you know, 
sooner or later, somebody, as we get more of those, somebody's going to figure out the niches, right? You know, where else could we fit them in? Um, yeah, I mean, most growers are probably not going to say, I'm going to buy a thirty to $40,000 spray drone, right, to run myself. Um, and then especially when you look at what the rules are to get that licensed as well. So, um, I mean, the challenge, it may be something where maybe, a, you know, maybe a bigger specialty grower gets one and then branches out and does his own custom spray. And, you know, that's one possibility. Um, you know, oftentimes the bigger ag retailers are probably going to want to focus still more on the row crops, right? You know, they'd rather pull in probably and spray an 80 acre cornfield than have to do one acre of pumpkins and then switch products for a different acre, right? So there's a, there's a niche there. It's just going to be a, what are they going to have to charge time-wise to make it pay? So. Um, so what are some of the biggest challenges that you've faced with raising pumpkins? Here like this, it's water. Uh, <laughs> since I mentioned we're dry land. Um, big things is just um, weed control is always an issue. So that's, I've used to use um, just plant no-till and and then switch to the, the rye cover crop. Um, so that rye has helped give me more weed control, um, but herbicide options and pumpkins are fairly limited and that's typical in any specialty crop, right? We just don't have a lot of options. So um, you end up doing a lot of touch up by hand, right? So you're out there with the hoe or <laughs> spraying with a backpack sprayer, things like that. So um, bugs and pests are another thing always, um, you know. You can spray for cucumber beetles and five days later, it's just crawling again. They, they'll flock in from any cornfield around, it seems. And I think the last thing is always um, frost. So usually we're always picking at the last minute on a, a uh, full, full moon night because we know we're, that's when we're going to get the first frost. So we're trying to get those harvested and protect them in case we, we still have some markets later on. So. Um, that's on the production side. The other side then is just the market. Um, the market's changed over time. Um, when I first started, there weren't very many of the, especially the the weird colors, those kind of things being grown. More and more people have caught on to that. So the market's kind of changed. Um, you know, I think I, I think the prices maybe actually come down since when I started. So, um, you know, there, it's getting to be more and more of a commodity. Um, versus especially thing in some ways um, especially our area there's a lot of people that have acreages and they say hey what can I do with the couple acres I have right so you get more production going on so. what are you most looking forward to in the future for pumpkin production I always like seeing the new varieties um, you know it's it's interesting what the companies come out with for new color combinations different sizes whatever so um, you know, since it's an aesthetic crop, right, it's always what what do they look like and what what could you use them for? So that's always kind of interesting every year when you, you get the seed catalogs and see what's coming out. So um, otherwise, you know, new herbicide options would be great, but we will see if that ever happens, right? So. Um, if our listeners wanted to learn more about uh, pumpkin production, where could they go to find some more information? So um, I'd be more than willing to help. Um, if, if they have specific, you know, production questions, I've 
always enjoy talking to other people who are growing pumpkins. Um, so you can give the Saunders County Extension a call. Um, so our number is 402-624-8005. Um, otherwise, the best resources are when you go back east. So if you go to Illinois, um, Ohio, a lot of those states, those universities have really good pumpkin production information um, because they're growing thousands of acres back there. So um, there's resources out there. You just got to look around for them. So. Is there anything we didn't talk about today that you might want to add or mention to share with our listeners? Um, just use pumpkins in the fall, right? Make more pumpkin pie. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, um, there are ones you can grow. So I, I have one, uh, it's called winter luxury. I, every year I usually try to make a couple pumpkin pies out of that from scratch. You know, it's, it's definitely, there are differences compared to canned pumpkin, you know, that you, you get. So, um, try new things, experiment, I think is the fun thing. So. And then our last question, um, we have a tradition here on the Farm Bits podcast, and it's to ask for a piece of advice. Um, so what advice do you have for anyone who's interested in specialty crop production? I think the big thing there is figure out your market. Um, I've had talked to a lot of people over the years who said, you know, hey, I, I got a building. I think I could do this girl whatever in there or use it to raise whatever. Or I can, you know, convert an acre and grow something random, right? But the key is you got to have some place to sell it, right? So, um, you know, typically farmers, we focus more on the production side, maybe than the marketing side. And I think that's the big change is you move in it, especially is you can't just haul it to town. You got to know where can you, where can you sell it? Um, and you want to get that taken care of before you invest a lot of time and money into something new and different. So. That'd be my big thing is just, yeah, do your background, do your research and see, is this something actually somebody wants to buy? Thank you very much to Aaron for taking the time to join this episode of the Farm Beats podcast. It's really exciting to learn more about pumpkin production. One of my favorite parts of this episode was learning about the numbers of varieties and colors that Aaron grows on his seat and how he sees different agricultural tools being used in pumpkins production. I agree, but my favorite part was the possibility for digital ag tools to be incorporated in the future to help with pest and weed control through the use of sensors or drones. I hope you enjoyed that episode and we look forward to sharing another digital ag story with you next week on Farm Bits. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Beats podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback, so if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the reviews section of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We would like to thank you, Nebraska Extension, for the support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high-quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. 
The opinions expressed by hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Beats.